Head to netsuite.com slash briefing now for their one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Uh, I think we need to be blunt from the beginning because we know right now the central truth. Big tech has relentlessly, ruthlessly pumped up profits by purposefully exploiting kids' and parents' pain. Last week, there was a big hearing on Capitol Hill about social media and its impact on children and their mental health. Lawmakers from both sides of the aisle took time to pitch various pieces of legislation that aimed to protect children online. But it was especially striking to hear from one of the witnesses, Kristen Bride. This is my son, Carson Bride, with the beautiful blue eyes, an amazing smile, and great sense of humor, who will be forever 16 years old. She told the panel about her teenage son, Carson. She said Carson took his own life after being relentlessly cyberbullied on Snapchat through apps that conceal users' identities. After his death, we discovered that Carson had received nearly 100 negative, harassing, sexually explicit, and humiliating messages, including 40 in just one day. She sued Snap and other companies for allegedly fostering the harassment but said the class action lawsuit was dismissed after the company invoked Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, which is a big liability shield for the tech industry. The company said it is constantly evaluating how to make its products safer and pointed to its human moderators working to limit the spread of harmful content. It should not take grieving parents filing lawsuits to hold this industry accountable for their dangerous and addictive product designs. But social media is just one aspect of our digital lives. Screens and apps are everywhere. So how are they shaping us? My guest this week is CNN chief medical correspondent, Dr. Sanjay Gupta. On the new season of his podcast, Chasing Life, he's diving deep into all of this. Screen time, social media, technology, and the science of how it's impacting our brains, especially in young kids. We talk about the personal conversations he's had with his own family about this and what we can all do to have a healthier relationship with our phones. From CNN, this is One Thing. I'm David Ryan. So, Sanjay, screen time, social media, phones, the internet, that's like a huge, wide-ranging topic. So, like, how did you approach this reporting? Well, you know, I think this is one of those topics that um, is is pretty universal. I, mean, I think everyone deals with this uh, and thinks about it. And I think especially if you're a parent, uh, I'm a parent of three teenage daughters. Right. This is the the probably the biggest topic in our household, something we talk about every night. So I approached it by starting with the people who use it the most, you know, young people. And in this case, my young people, my <laughs> own kids. And and I realize that we, we talk a lot at our children about this issue. We talk Mm. a lot around our children at this issue, but sitting down and really talking to them, no distractions, really hearing their point of view on this. It's important. And frankly, it's pretty magical as well, because I think it's been a missing part of the equation for some time. And so what did you learn from them when you talk to them? What did they tell you about this? Over the summer, my phone broke, like it started to deteriorate from the inside out. And that happened. So Sage is my 17-year-old daughter. She's a senior in high school. Tell me about what was what was the biggest challenge that week? Not being able to talk to anyone for a week. I mean, I'd have to call them on my Alexa. I had to memorize my friend's phone numbers. 
And she was the one who really kind of got at this idea that the world is changing so quickly that even between her and her sister, youngest sister, who's 13 years old, just four years younger, there have been significant changes. I'll see like little kids with like their own phones. And I'm kind of like, is that like really, is that really how it is now? Sky is 15 years old. She's a sophomore in high school. And she's probably the one who kind of uses social media the least. Hmm. She's not as interested in it. But she was the one who made the point that, look, we probably would have liked the, the lifestyle of the millennials more so than the I generation, as they're being called. Like, the, my biggest thing is I hate going out to dinner yeah. and being on your phone. Even right. if I'm with my friends, I, like, would not do that. My friends will not. But one of the big things that kept coming up over and over again was a reminder that this was the world we handed to our kids. Mm. This was not necessarily the world that they coveted. <laughs> they didn't ask for this. They didn't ask for this. And they're very self-aware that this is the world that's been handed to them and all the obligations that come with that. And even though they are, you know, squarely in the mix of it, it's not necessarily what they want. And so what do the experts say about all the time we're spending on our phones, on social media? Like, what is the problem as they see it? I think that they look at this in terms of a, a, a worst-case manifestation. First, we can start you know, with um, what the generational trends are, that it, it's really, really concerning. And so I spoke to Jean Twangy, who probably first really got me interested in this because she had written this book called iGen, iGeneration, and it, it got my attention. For example, teen depression, right? So clinical depression among teens doubled between 2011 and 2019. It scared me a little bit in terms of thinking, what was this device? What was social media? What were these things going to do to my own children's brains? And then you have to ask why. Why was there that stark increase right around that time about 2012 or so? Well, that is when the majority of Americans started using a smartphone. Do you look at this as the device itself being, you know, the culprit, or is it the opportunity cost lost in terms of what you could have been doing instead of being on the device? It's a lot of different factors. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that it's not really the device itself. It's how we use it. No one is saying that you shouldn't use it at all. I don't think anyone is saying that. And they recognize that there's obviously important uses for it, you know, just to function your daily life now. Right. And yet they're trying to trying to figure out what is a point where it's it's too much. And I think it's it's really hard. It's very hard to sort of lump it all into to sort of one category. So, you know, you can't think of this as sort of a I'm addicted to my phone because an addiction... Yeah, I was going to ask, is that, is that a real medical thing, being addicted to your phone, or is that just something that parents like to say because they see their kids buried in the phone all day? Yeah, I, I think that people are using probably um, antiquated language and descriptors to think about this. It, it almost requires its own language to think about mm. um, the use of social media, the use of the device. Another just sort of thing to put in your head is that... You know, we let our kids drive 
And when we let them drive, there's a lot of training that goes into that because it's a sophisticated piece of machinery that can be harmful, a car. The phones, even though they're these hugely sophisticated pieces of machinery, we've treated them like toys more than the given them the respect that they deserve. Right. It's so like just I'm going to give my four-year-old, here's an iPad, go nuts for a few hours and you'll be quiet. <laughs> right, right. I mean, if you say, hey, look, I'm going to give my child an iPad from time to time, but I'm treating it as a very, very important piece of equipment that can be wildly useful, but can also be detrimental, just like a car. The reason I started thinking about technology was because of you and your sisters and um, wondering how technology is going to affect your lives. What do you think about that? I think that it already has probably affected our lives a lot. And like, it's just like how human evolution is going to go on. By the way, Soleil 13, I didn't mention earlier, we had a very interesting discussion because I said, do you anticipate when you're in your 20s or your 30s that you would use the devices and social media as much as you do now? Do you think the United States as a country would be using it more then than they do now? Like people say that adults aren't on their phone as much, but I feel like when we become adults, we'll be on our phones more than adults now. And her answer was yes, of course. And I asked her, I said, is this a good thing or a bad thing? I don't think it's a good or bad thing. Like, there's plus and minuses. And (laughs) this is when teenage girls can be be intimidating and humbling, you know. She said, you know, Dad, I kind of feel like you're missing the point here a little bit. (laughs) It's not that it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's a thing. It's It's just, it's the way the world is evolving. It's just a thing. It's going to get worse as we go on. Or better as we go on. It depends on how you look on it. You're super smart, you know that? <laughs> I can't, you're 13 years old. Have you, have you thought about this issue a lot? Yeah. So, Sanjay, before the break, you were saying how your daughter was telling you that all this time we're spending on our devices is not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a thing. It's the way we live now, like it or not. So assuming that's the case, how can we be smarter about our screen time? Like, are there any tips out there beyond, you know, just locking my phone away? Yeah, I mean, there's really interesting uh, tips out there that I think are are um, maybe a little counterintuitive in the sense that, you know, people they generally think that they can stop using social media or, or, or at least uh, lessen the amount of time. They can not use their devices as much. But sometimes you just have to break up the cycle of of mindless scrolling, mindless utilization of the device. You're trying to quit smoking. It would be really dumb to keep cigarettes in your pocket. So if you know an app is a problem for you and it's not actually benefiting you, then get it off your phone. Catherine Price wrote this great book called How to Break Up with Your Phone. And I think there's so many tips out there in terms of trying to decrease your device usage. But I think Catherine's tips, they make a lot of sense. Do something to help you become more aware of your phone checks in the moment. Because the thing about the design of many of our most problematic apps is that they're designed to hijack our brain circuitry so that we end up checking them without even realizing what we're doing. And then we end up spending way longer than we wanted to on them. If you put food further away, you make it harder to access. Think about the phone the same way. Catherine Price, for example, says doing something as simple as just putting a rubber band on your phone so that every time you're going to use it, you have to just sort of peel the rubber band off. It's like a physical impediment. Yes, exactly. 
And the idea is that when you reach for your phone on autopilot, you have this split second of being, why the heck is there a rubber band on my phone? And then you can say, oh, I just picked up my phone. What am I doing? We spend a lot of time using the device uh, at the wrong time, Mm. meaning at uh, night when we should be sleeping, at the dinner table. And I think you have to have some, some rules that you just place with yourself, with your family, to get the phone out of the bedroom, to not have it at the dinner table, things like that that can make a huge difference. You know, you can be in the same room with someone quote, spending time with them. But if you're not paying attention, if you're, if you're just co-scrolling on your phones, like, were you really together? So in talking to all these experts and your own daughters, how do you feel about yourself as a parent who's been dealing with these issues? You know, honestly, I, um, no one gave me a parenting book, you know, Mm. leave aside devices and social media. The only sort of lessons I had on parenting really came from my own parents. And and that happened at a time when none of these technologies existed. I spent a lot of time trying to keep my kids safe, but I don't think that I fully appreciated both the benefits and the dangers that these devices and social media can provide. I think my wife was probably a lot more systematic and thoughtful about this. We we decided to wait uh, a while till we gave our kids phones later than certainly they would have liked and later than most of their when their friends got phones. <laughs> what did you think of the idea that we waited to get you guys phones? I really like that. Yeah? I really like how we waited until middle school. When I have kids of my own if I don't think I want to let them be on social media as early as I was. But my kids have said to me that they probably would wait even longer than we waited before they would give their kids access to social media. Wow. I just want to, like, teach them to be a little bit more responsible with their amount of usage, not what they view, but how much they view. Because I... I think I'm a lot better with it now, but I think when I was a little younger, I was on my phone a lot. They've learned, and, and it's now the young people who are, who are basically saying, look, we're the ones most affected by this, and here's what we think should be done. Certainly positive to think that they're thinking about this in that way. Yeah. Uh, again, the podcast is Chasing Life. The first episode of the new season is out right now. Thanks so much, Dr. Gupta. You got it. Thanks, David. One Thing is a production of CNN Audio. This episode was produced by Paolo Ortiz and me, David Rind. Matt Dempsey is our production manager. Fez Jamil is our senior producer. Greg Peppers is our supervising producer. And Abby Fentress Swanson is the executive producer of CNN Audio. Special thanks to Amanda Seeley, Ben Tinker, Jocelyn Hargrove, and Haley Thomas. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Sunday. Talk to you then.